This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everyone back to another Friday broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I am joined as always by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you doing on this Weird weather Friday. I'm good, Dave. I'm looking forward to this heat wave being over tomorrow and it pouring rain on us, which is completely within the realm of normalcy for Southern California. Totally normal. Now after 100 degree wet. Yeah. Totally normal. Exactly how we all grew up here. Uh, The weather has never been any different from this. Um, It has always been exactly this much like the South. Um, that's why they call it Southern California, because it's like the South. Um, yeah, we we are practically Atlanta, yeah. Georgia. Yeah, yeah. We we typically get monsoons here um, all the time. Hmm? Yeah, very normal. So, um, yeah. yeah, so nothing out of the normal with, you know, last week being uh, 104 degrees and this week being a monsoon. It was damn hot on that field. So, like you said... If it says 104 in Pasadena, then it's probably 106 in the Arroyo, and then it's probably 110 on the field. Right, and 130 in our hearts. It felt like it just, when Vegas is like 112, you know, when you've been to Vegas, that's what it felt like, just that that all-consuming heat. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it just emanates. I don't know how they played. And someone mentioned, and this is absolutely true, I think the most impressive guy in that game, Antonio Maffi... Looked like he was playing in 55-degree weather. He did not look tired. And he played – did anyone play for him at left guard? No, did, he did played he every set, snap except the last drive. Snap. Wow. He was amazing. He yeah. should have got an MVP. He's my MVP for that game. He probably was my MVP for that game too. Um, yeah. He, he was a stud. I was a little mad. He, uh, he picked up that ball, got hit once, and went down. I, I think he should have flattened Stru- that linebacker. Yeah, he he said he said he wasn't ready because um, he was too he, happy. He, well, he wasn't re- no, he wasn't ready because of the helmet. He he's so used right. to rugby with more field of vision. He said he wanted to throw a spin move. He wanted to do something, but he couldn't see well enough with the helmet on. Neo, no spin move. No way, three forty. Uh, Just plow through also, those dudes. Also, no excuses. Play like a no champion. No excuses, Neo. Oh. Uh, and then um, asked Chip Kelly, you know, have you ever thought about doing some refrigerator? What's that? <laughs> What's that? And then also... Um, that was great. Well, I really appreciated that. Well, there's answer, the number actually. problem at the at the college level. Yeah, yeah. Remember, but you just, you, you, just you remember when you changed Jake Bobo's number, like literally for a single play four times in that game? Right, you but just, you can still have offensive linemen eligible. I mean, it happens all the time. Well, and also you could just change his number if you want to. Yeah, or you could just change it's, it. It's I mean, that seems like something Chip Kelly should do now. Change the number and then don't go to him as a decoy because he's all into, you know, faking you out and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, the yeah. fake out. Um, so, yeah, that game, um, UCLA beat Bowling Green 45-17. Um a little bit of a weird start to the game. Pretty much ended um, <laughs> a little bit. Hey, look, I'm trying. I'm trying to underplay. Um, wow. But uh, ended ended. Hey, look, look, Tracy. It hey, ended exactly Dave. the way I predicted it would. That was pretty amazing. Forty-five yeah. seventeen, baby. You've raised expectations. That's why you pay those now. big bucks for those previews. Yep, that's what everyone expects out of you. Yeah, I get it. Um, but uh, so. 
all right, we wanted to kind of go through a little bit more in depth, uh, go more or less unit by unit through the uh, through the team. Uh, my overarching thing was generally, um, it's a good thing uh, the defense uh, was ready and able to shut down Bowling Green, and that Bowling Green had a terrible quarterback because I think it it got them through it with a comfortable blowout that still leaves them with plenty to work on. Um, they've got they've got some obvious issues. Um, Do you think McDonald was just a quarterback because his dad was a quarterback and he really shouldn't have been a quarterback? So the two worst quarterback performances I saw this weekend outside of Brendan Lewis, which I just think is unfair, you can't judge a Carl Durrell quarterback. The two worst quarterback performances <laughs> I saw this weekend were uh, Matt McDonald, son of a quarterback, and Chandler Morris, son of a head coach. Um, he was the guy for TCU against Brent, Brendan. Lewis. Since they were two years old, they've been saying, you're going to be a quarterback. You're right. going to be a quarterback. And even though they don't have an arm for a quarterback and they can't play, you're going to be a quarterback. They were both really, really, really bad. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know what that is. But anyway, McDonald was the worst quarterback I saw this weekend. Um, that one, Dave, that, that one missed touchdown. Defense. Yeah, that one missed. Th- well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, some of it was, but that one yeah. missed touchdown throw where the wow. secondary completely missed that. I think it was the tight end leaking out of the backfield. Yep. Um, he was wide open and he overthrew him. He overthrew him by like 15 yards. It was insane <laughs> watching that. Yeah. You um, could have thrown that anywhere. I could have thrown that. 15 to 20 to 25 yards shorter, and it would have been completed. Right. No, I could have thrown that one, like one of those looping balls that doesn't even have a spiral. It's just like chucked over there. Like I could have thrown that. kind of shot put it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, um, we wanted to go through unit by unit, uh, just looking at the different things. Um, I would say uh, I want to start with defensive line, Tracy. Okay, that's interesting because that's one. I mean, we're all talking about the offensive line. I want to be a positive poly right now. But Okay. Go ahead. I, I'm probably going to counter you, but go ahead. Counter me. Um, all right. So here's here was my general takeaway was that the uh, edges, and this is one where I think I do disagree slightly with you, is that the edges did not have the sack numbers in this game, but I thought they were generally very disruptive. I thought they generally um, did what they more or less should do against Bowling Green. Uh, I thought the Murphys were held a lot. Um, but I thought they were really, you know, kind of as build, um, very tough to deal with. I thought Carl Jones was very good. Um, Bo Calvert played football, um, and Leatu Latu was active. Um, I thought the edges were generally good, and I thought Gary Smith was really, really impressive at defensive tackle. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say that otherwise at defensive tackle, I wasn't super impressed with Toia. He was fine, I thought, but not super impressed. Um, didn't really see all that much from Martin Andrews. Um, and then uh, I don't uh, I don't necessarily get Dovid Magna in that whole situation. But overall, I would say Is the defensive Dovid line. or Dovid? I don't know. Dovid? I like it, though. Um but overall, I would say the defensive line more or less performed how I was expecting them to. Yeah, that's that's your statement right there. And I agree with that. They performed as you probably would have expected. Um, this is We get into this every year, and we've been doing this a long time. And especially in basketball, when we, you know, because UCLA, you know, basketball, college basketball teams usually play some cupcakes. And we always say you have to take the competition into consideration. You know, because at the beginning of the basketball season, everyone's arguing about how good they look, and then they play one good team, and wow, suddenly those open looks aren't there. Suddenly, you know, they're not blocking all those. It's the same here. Last year, we experienced it with a, a bit with LSU. I'm not saying this team isn't good. I think I think UCLA is a good team. I'm not even saying they're not an excellent team. I'm just saying jury's out until they actually play a decent team. And I don't even know when that will be. My jury's out on Washington on whether they're actually a decent team. Um, So when it comes to the defensive line, uh, I thought the Murphys were good. Uh, Against against the Bowling Green uh, offensive line, I would have liked to see just the Murphys just, just blow up some guys completely. Just blow right by them with the holding. Come on, throwing out a holding excuse. 
just blowing right by a guy and getting right to that quarterback in two seconds. I didn't really see that. I saw some good pressure. Uh, I didn't, and they weren't double teamed a lot of times. So, yeah, they were good. Uh, would like to see. Uh, I would have liked to see more dominance. Carl Jones was Carl Jones. Uh, Laiatu Latu, uh, first game coming back after like a neck injury where he had to take a medical uh, retirement. A, a bit impressed because I mean that's just that's a tough thing to do to come back in that first game. Look quick and active. I think there's a lot there. Uh, so good, like I said, good, but not. I I wasn't blown away, and I, I would have liked to seen some Bruce Davis. You know, yeah, that's fair. Anthony Barr dominance against Bowling Green. My God. Um, interior. I, I watched the game about two and three quarters times. I was impressed with Gary Smith. Um, he was in the right place. To, held up his blocks in the right place at the right time. Uh, didn't, you know, uh, pivot his way. The thing about defensive linemen that drive me crazy is when they pivot and they get out of the way and the, for whatever reason, the balls run right where the hole where they just left. Um, Jay Toia, I, I personally thought was a bit disappointing uh, in, that, in that game. Again, they should be dominating, physically dominating. There are times Toia got pushed back. Uh, didn't see really anything. Uh, a bit disappointed in Martin Andrus. Didn't really see him do much. Jacob Sykes didn't really see him do much either. So I saw him running a lot. He was running yeah, after dudes a lot. Running after dudes. Um, Not necessarily so, what you want to see out of a defensive tackle. So I'm a, I, you know, jury is way out here. Uh, I would have liked to see one truly dominating performance from any one of the eight or nine guys we just mentioned, and I and I didn't. So there's there's that. Right, um, so haters haters are gonna hate, I guess. Not a hate, um, just trying just to look, stay stay balanced here because we've gone to everyone. You have to remember this moment. We've done this in football and basketball every season of where they they beat up on a lesser opponent and everyone I'm not saying this could not this isn't a fantastic team. I'm just saying jury is still out until they play someone. That's it. It's hard to judge. So that's defensive line. Linebacker well, to me is the inch is really interesting. Um I did not I think they went to a three linebacker alignment for like one series maybe maybe maybe, that. maybe and i don't there think were the three series. linebackers in at a time and instead of and they brought up a safety that functioned like a linebacker he wasn't it wasn't a nickel he was in the box um so it's interesting on how this is all going to work in the depth chart i took out that sam linebacker because there's no one functioning a sam linebacker is a guy who's most of the time over the tight end and that just that wasn't there I, yep. I mean most of the time that was the will so i just threw them all into the will now came madrano's first string john john vons shea brian strother um and i doubled up on john john vons being the backup at the mike linebacker because he did play there um we were trying to remember think who if anything happened to darius muasawa who would be that mike linebacker and i think it would be john john vons but that was very interesting to see how that all worked and mix and match. And you got to mention Carson Swessinger, who is the walk-on, who earned a scholarship um, as a redshirt freshman at middle linebacker. So beating out some scholarship guys like Jeremiah Trojan. and So that's really, really, really an interesting dynamic of the players and how they're all going to work uh, there. What do you think of that? Uh, I thought the linebackers... I liked your analysis. I thought Darius Muasawa uh, overran some stuff at times, but then was dead on, spot his, on. His tackling, his tackling, tackling was, was great. Yeah, uh, that I was, was really, thing. I was impressed with John John Vons. Yeah, I think John John looked good. I think Darius Muasawa, um, best tackler they've had in a while at linebacker. Uh, once he gets kind of settled in, I mean, this was his first game in the Rose Bowl. In front of like you know screaming nine thousand fans. <laughs> hey, quietest environment in all the country. It had to have been unnerving. He was trying to bring a little bit of energy to the proceedings. I can't hear you. What's the call? <laughs> I can't hear you because it's echoing. 
When I went down on the field, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, half of the fans had left, 3,000 fans had left. <laughs> but I, on the field, it was so quiet. I've ne- I mean, when you go down on the field in the fourth quarter and there's 50,000 people left, there's, you know, people are talking, there's a rumbling. There was no rumbling. It was so quiet. It was like you were wearing noise uh, deafening headphones. It was crazy. But you know what? We have to say, much respect to the UCLA fans were there. Oh, oh God, yeah. No, wow. I mean, I, I, I was, I was only being semi facetious with my uh, crowd a right there because I can't, I couldn't imagine being in the stands for that game. You people couldn't... out in the direct sun. There were, you know, some people, of course, went and found shade. There were some who said, "Screw it, <laughs> I'm getting heat stroke, and I'm just going to stay in the sun." Tracy, you literally could not have paid me to be in the stands for that game. Like it well, matters how much. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Would you like in decent proposal? Would you let your wife sleep with Robert Redford for a million dollars? I mean, there's no question about that. There's no question. I don't know why there's a movie after the first <laughs> setup of the first act. Woody Harrelson's done, and the movie's over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, just here's my wire the money. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say is with them doing such a uh, – even in a game like this, even in the context of a game like this, the linebacker rotation was relatively short compared to um, – like defensive line, it seemed like they rotated basically anyone who was playable in there. Um, the only thing I would say is uh, with like Jalen Woods, he's still not wearing a um, um, a scout. scout team jersey. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I, I don't know necessarily I, I get it. Maybe they're looking towards eventually, like, I don't know, against the Stanfords of the world, they might play three more often. Um, but I don't know. That, that was the only kind of note that I was a little curious about is because they truly are just mostly playing with two linebackers. Um, they've still got a lot of bodies at those two positions. A lot of bodies. I, I guess, you know, we're finding things to worry about. Backup, the, a true backup middle linebacker is a former walk-on who's a registered freshman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's I mean, a little worrisome. Is... In all the recruiting, you can't come, there is no middle line. I mean, they recruited Jeremiah Trojan and he, he was, you know, Carson Swessinger jumped over him. Trojan is returning from an injury, so I will I'll grant him that. Okay, but is there in five recruiting cycles, not they have not gotten a high school middle linebacker that can play? Well, it was not yeah, for lack okay. of trying. They did recruit about fourteen uh, linebackers <sighs> two cycles ago. Yeah, but not one is here playing able to play middle linebacker. Ah, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the secondary. Uh, for me, this was the Kenny Churchwell show. Um, I love Kenny Churchwell. Uh, the 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 hitting from that man, um, you know, you could really feel it. Um, and I would say Stephen Blaylock. I think that's you know sometimes when you hear the coach evaluations after a game, you're sort of like, huh, wonder what the hell that was. Uh, I thought Stephen Blaylock played one of his best games at UCLA, um, so I thought that was right. Otherwise, like, I thought the cornerback play was fine. But, again, to your point from earlier, um, you don't want to see just fine against Bowling Green. You would have liked to have seen, you know, these guys with uber talent really show out. And I didn't see that, you know, with uber comparative talent. uh, I didn't see that at all. Uh, First off, Kenny Churchwell, if you go back and watch his high school clips from, like, when he's a junior, he was taking people's heads off back then. Yeah, so they call him church thought, bells. Yeah, this was going to be the guy, and then obviously set back by injury. So it's a great story that he's back and doing this and and able, able to play and and still be that headhunter that we always thought he'd be. So that's that's great. Um, I watching the game, Blaylock played well. Uh, again, taking consideration it was Bowling Green, but I thought he played well. I was just. Uh, uh, jury's still out in the quarterbacks. Um, but uh, there was a huge John Humphrey whiff. Yeah. I, I, the guy didn't even juke him. He just he just 100% missed him. Uh, there were some good hits. Devin Kirkwood had a couple of hits. There were also, they were in a lot of zone. 
And there were a lot of times where they just happened to bump into the receiver <laughs> rather than it was it was great coverage. And then there were uh, the middle of the field was open a bit. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh. I Jalen was... Davies, that should have been a pick. I mean, I know he was playing, he was doing technically what you're supposed to do, but that ball was out there for about eight seconds. Um, uh, this is one of those where if the quarterback hadn't been so terrible, we'd be talking a lot more about what was going on in the secondary. Because yeah. there were receivers running free, especially in that first half, where it was just like, this quarterback can't hit him. They can't... tightened it up in the second half. Yeah, they the did. quarterback can't even see him. Uh, but they're there, um, and then it was better in the second half. Uh, but the first half, and some of that's first game stuff, you know, communication. Yeah. It's a bunch of young guys, so no no major conclusions being drawn at this point. It's just, you know, again, would have liked to see a little bit more dominance from that group. But not really a bunch of young guys. Azizi Hearns, a, a super senior, you know, uh, what? John Humphrey uh, Dev- and Devin Kirkwood are both objectively young guys. John Humphrey's in his third year in the program. He's played like four snaps prior to this I, okay, season. Okay, inexperienced guy, but not uh, whatever. Young. I mean, I'm not talking about their like youth. I'm talking about their uh, their uh, experience. Well, in then that's why football. I'm saying if he's third year in the program, he should be completely look, look, prepared look, look, to play. Look, look, look. You're not four star recruit. I'm not carrying. I'm play. not carrying water for a single goddamn coach on this staff. I'm just <laughs> saying these guys haven't played a lot. Okay, that's true. Um, all right, so that's the defense. And the defense, I would think, um, was probably the more, um, what's the word? Probably dominant of the two sides of the ball in this game, even with the offense uh, producing 626. 626 yards is what you should produce against Bowling Green. Holding any team under 200 yards of total offense is pretty damn good. So let's switch gears over to the offense. Um, let's start with quarterback. That's okay. easy. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, um, you know, I think if I can remember back to like opening games for him in the past, he was always like a little bit amped up and like a little jumpy and just kind of not really together until like the second halves of those games. So I think this was better from that perspective. Um, And I think he was dealing with a lot of pressure that he wasn't expecting uh, that, that he didn't experience last year necessarily. Um, I'm still a little bit, so talking to Antonio Maffi, hearing from Dorian Thompson Robinson this week, I'm still a little bit confused about whose responsibility it entirely was. Yeah, that was interesting. To identify these free blitzers for Bowling Green, because it kept happening throughout the game where guys are just becoming in free, usually between the guard and the tackle. And no one would pick them up. And there was no blocking slid over to pick that guy up with a running back. Um, and Dorian Thompson Robinson each time looked unprepared for that guy. It wasn't as if it was, okay, that's going to be our unblocked defender and I'm going to juke him. It was always, oh, crap, that guy's coming free. Um, I don't know who that was. I'm going to say the fifth-year starting quarterback probably should have had a handle on that uh, by, I don't know, midway through the second quarter, and it never seemed like they fully got on the same page with identifying blitzers. I think it's a combination of uh, a lot of responsibilities. Uh, first off, the right play calling. <laughs> yeah, uh, totally. Chip Kelly didn't get the play, didn't realize he had to get the ball out quick until, you know, second quarter. Um, and I, I get that. You you see what the, you see what the team's doing, but I think you maybe could have anticipated they were going to throw a lot of pressure at you and stack the box. Uh, pretty easy to anticipate that and then they came out and did it. But okay. He adapted, but a lot of that was probably play calling first off. Uh, the center is supposed to align a lot of the pass pro, right? But the quarterback should also be recognizing like what he can do with that pass pro within the play call. So I think there was three things that were kind of not working. Right. Uh, but obviously, and this isn't just putting it all on Chip Kelly, but once they started calling some better plays, they're, you know, things worked. Yeah, it's weird. So, yeah. It's weird how it works out like that sometimes. Yeah. Um, I but think I thought- Dorian Thompson Robinson's going to have a. I, I, he's continually gotten better and better. He we played his B game and scored four touchdowns. Yeah. He's, he's going to be. Uh, Dorian 
has so many talents. That that touchdown run was one of the, his best plays, if not maybe his best ever. That was phenomenal. Yep. Um, he he's getting better in recognizing in 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 his reads, uh, in his progressions. He's I think you've brought it up a number of times. He still doesn't. He seems to look down the middle of the field. Yep. Uh, I, I I get that, and he's still. Uh, if you if you watch, we've always brought this up. Even when he completes a pass, it's not a lot of times deadly accurate. It's just a little bit out of the reach of the receiver sometimes. But he's gotten better on that. He threw last year. He 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 showed improvement with that throwing a lot more accurate ball. Um, I think he's I think he's going to have a phenomenal a phenomenal season. And and you, right, uh, our expectations might be a little high for him because he threw that pick. <laughs> and but how many how many uh, touchdowns was he responsible for? Four, four. Yeah. yeah, threw two, ran for two, and that that sixty-eight yard touchdown run was thing of beauty. Yeah, that was great. That was that was like vintage Brett Hundley stuff. Um, so that was all cool. Um, so running back, I would say. Um, so here's here's probably where I come down after um, a few days to think about it. Charbonnet was everything you thought he was going to be. Totally good. Um, had to make something out of nothing a lot. Um, there you go. And yep. he, he bowled some dudes over, often dragging tacklers an extra five yards to make up what should have been a two-yard run into a seven-yard run. He looked great. Um, Keegan Jones, you know, I watched it a little bit more even after I wrote my unit-by-unit unit analysis. And I think there were probably two or three runs where you still saw really limited vision from him, where it yeah. was just there was a hole there. And you ran right into the tackler. Yeah. But it's better. It it's is better. better. Um, and, I completely agree. And Still not there yet. Not quite there yet, but it was better. I still don't know about him as the number two. The guy I really want to see develop in these next two weeks, especially because he's going to get a lot of playing time, is TJ Harden. That'll be interesting. That's one of the best things to look for in these next two weeks. Get him a lot of second-half snaps and see what that guy can do knowing he's going to get the ball. Because Um, he ran up the back of a couple of guys, too. Yes, he did. And he's got – here's the thing, though. When a guy is 5'9", 175 and has, you know, iffy vision, that's a major concern. If you're that small, you've really got to have excellent vision. If you got some size to you, well – yeah, you still need good vision, but can you blow up some tacklers too? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yeah, I think that's the thing to. Re- I think Keegan Jones will probably continue to get better. He's he doesn't have naturally great vision, but he has improved. So I think we could expect more improvement. But I think the the learning curve, the larger learning curve, is going to be T.J. Harden for the season. So that that's kind of exciting. Yeah, and um, the other guy I, to watch out for is Deshaun Morrell because he 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 was back in practice this week. So yeah, maybe he'll be probably ready. get a bunch of carries if he's ready. Uh, the thing about Charbonnet too, I'm comparing this to the Hawaii game last year. If you remember, he broke a bunch of tackles, but mostly that was on the next level. Yep, <laughs> he got to that next level and then destroyed some guys. No, he was getting a lot of contact at at or just beyond the LOS, and sometimes behind it. Yeah, this this week, and he had to make a lot. There were a couple of holes. There were he made the best of them, but the, he had to create some too. So, yeah. Something to monitor. Something. All right, something let's. To watch. We've put it off long enough. Let's talk about that offensive line. Okay, go crazy. Okay, um, I I think we disagree a little bit um, on some of the tackle stuff because I was really really unimpressed with Garrett DiGiorgio. More, I, I liked Siali Tapaki, uh, but I was really unimpressed with Garrett DiGiorgio. I thought he was getting beat by speed constantly, um, and just he it. it not quite feet and cement, but like the next. What's the next grade up from feet and cement? Uh, like feet mud? in quicksand, feet in yeah. mud. No mud, quicksands. Yeah, that's I think that's I probably even worse, worse than, than cement. cement. Yeah. Okay, so feet in mud, I would say. Um, yeah. Just just struggling with the speed rush to the outside, um, and I thought Raekwon O'Neal was fine. I don't think he was good or dominant. I thought he was fine. Um, interior of the line, generally pretty pleased though. Uh, I thought Antonio Maffi, as we just talked about, maybe the MVP of the entire team, but certainly the offensive line. Uh, John Gaines was fine. The thing with Gaines is like, he does like 80% of plays. He looks good if, if not great. And then it just seems like there's a couple plays where it's just like, I don't know what's going on there, but it's like, 
taken it off maybe a little bit. I don't know. Um, Okay. And then center, uh, the rotation was fine. Duke Clemens, I thought, was pretty good. I thought Sam Marazzo um, just, you know, low man wins, and I think other guys were able to get lower than him a lot in the second half. Um, didn't It didn't blow anything up, but I just noticed it a lot. Um, but you were a little bit more positive about uh, some of the tackle stuff. Well, no, I, I, a little bit more positive doesn't necessarily mean I thought it was a good performance. Uh, everyone is like – now, first off, again – Take it in context, we're going against Bowling Green, right? So right. adjust your expectation. But as you've made the point, if there was a strength of Bowling Green, it would have been their defensive line, right? Correct. Okay. So this might be the point where you might be able to judge a little bit of the performance. Garrett to Georgia, there were probably a handful of pass plays where it was feet were stuck in mud. There were others, a good number, where he was fine. So it wasn't great performance because I would still like to see a completely dominating performance over, over Bowling Green, and it wasn't. But it's, I don't think it was as, as horrible as everyone thought it was. Siali Tapaki has some potential, um, but he also uh, – just, just go back and watch like that second half – well, from like second quarter through where he started to get into the rotation – he got beat too, and a lot of it just it looked like he just had happy feet. He didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. He was just so happy to be out there. They were see. so light. His feet were yeah. so light. They weren't <laughs> stuck in mud. <laughs> That's true. That's true, but he still got beat uh, sometimes. Raekwon O'Neal, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see the potential real kind of all Pac-12 left tackle. He'll be serviceable. Probably. Um, I think all of these guys are out of position. <laughs> Everyone. It's all, of them, I don't, all of them are guards. All there is not a tackle on this team. <laughs> Maybe. And how about this? The most pure tackle is Tyler Manoa, who spent four seasons at defensive line. No, you know what I'll say? I think Jalen Jeffers, who's third string at right tackle, he looks like a tackle from what I've observed in practice. Okay, yeah, exactly. He looks like a tackle, and we'll see if he ever plays. I mean, skeptical about the level of talent with Jalen Jeffers. Um, So I I think really what we're talking about, the main problem is Raekwon O'Neal and... And Garrett DiGiorgio, Siali Tapaki, are all not tackles. And and again, you've had five years to build a personnel. <laughs> you don't have a tackle on this team, really. <laughs> I, I mean, it's amazing. It's it's phenomenal. It's um, really cool. Wow. Uh, like I said, Antonio Mafi, MVP of the game to me. I wasn't that much impressed with Duke Clemens, Samarazza, or John Gaines. Just okay. Um, Didn't see any real dominance. Didn't see any pancaking. I mean, contain their guys sometimes. You know, offensive line is a messy business. You know, you're out there trying to, you get bumped this way, you get hit this way. That's guy, you lose him. It's it's just not a clean kind of thing. Um, But I didn't see any true dominance from from them. Antonio Maffi was the only guy to me who really stood out. Um, but the main problem is they don't have an offensive tackle on the team. And if they do, it's Tyler Manoa. And he spent four seasons as a defensive lineman. Maybe Bruno Fina in maybe two more years. Um, but other than so, that, it's great. Wow. Yeah. Other than that. Um, hey, I didn't notice. Who, who came in for Antonio Maffi? I left guard. In the last series? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. It might have been Noah Pugliai. Yeah, I don't think I saw him. But if it, if it was him, people tell us. because I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I, I wasn't. I was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. At tight end. Um, so this is drawing some consternation from people. I think Aziki was hurt and messed up by the weather from basically the jump in this game. Because, yeah, he looked a touch slow, but most of that touch slow came in the like last two catches he had. The more concerning thing for me with his play was that one throw that he bobbled for like 15 feet before finally securing. Yeah. 
Like that was more of the concern for me. Um, yeah. And and the 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 really bad downfield block that led to a hole. He, he's never had fantastic hands. Yeah. They've gotten better, and yeah. that's kind of what that was has been one of the things that has held him back. Um, I don't think he was. I, I, I mean, we saw him pull up with a hamstring. Whether that was a hamstring tear or pull or whether it was cramps, um, I, there was one where he caught the ball and he tried to advance it and he looked like he was in mud and that did not look like him. No, he's usually more explosive. So I'm, he, he showed, I'm chalking that up to injury. Yeah, he showed a lot more speed in the spring than we had yeah. seen previously from him. So I, H- I, Hudson Habermel gets a, a big uh, medal for me. <laughs> he obviously cramping up badly. But he can't he can't wave for a sub because he knows they're going right back at it. Right. I'm going to catch that just, ball and I'm going to get 17 yards. I'm catching that ball and getting 17 yards. Though that must have been a painful 17 yards to run. Well, and then he had, the, he had the one missed near TD um, at the goal line. It was a, I mean, he was well covered, um, but that's a play that I, I think he can make. He's got the jumping ability. He's got the long arms. Um, I'd like to see them go back to him with stuff like that. So Carson Ryan, I think, is one. Of, I'm not going to say one of the few bright spots. Uh, I'm going to say a, a bright spot. Um, watching. Sorry, him Tracy. Again, we're, we're talking about tight ends, not right, right now, not running backs. Right. That's why I'm talking about Carson Ryan. Um, but he's he's a he's an H back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, yeah. No. I mean, he played. He played like I, I want to say 85 percent of his snaps, 90 percent of his snaps at like pure tight end. And and even <laughs> so, they've used tight ends as H backs. It's I mean, it's also stupid. What, what are we doing did here? in his career? He was an H. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Why change his number? Doesn't matter. I mean, the uh, I saw Carson Ryan's family walking into the Rose Bowl. Um, they had they had Ryan jerseys on. They had made up, and it said number twenty. What happens when next year they're gonna they're gonna make the Ryan family have to buy two sets of jerseys? It's really messed up. Um, anyway, not only uh, was I impressed with his, uh, uh, his ability, you know, they had that little, that little wrinkle where on the rollout that, uh, DTR throws back. It was funny. The announcer too, <laughs> didn't get that. That was a design play. Yeah. The, 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 oh they did gosh. it exactly twice and both to the same guy. That's uh, tough yeah. that he could, that, that he found someone looking back across his body. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Made some nice. I thought he did well there. Uh, I was really impressed with his blocking. I watched him blocking. He blocked pretty well. Yeah. So that that's a that's a big bright spot for me. Yep. In the offense. So that and and David Preview promising. played a lot, mostly as a blocking tight end. Looking forward to seeing Cam Brown and Lo- Logan Loya. Well, now we're getting into receivers, Tracy. I know. Uh, I'm hey, moving on. You, Where are we not moving yeah, on? Yeah, you just you just went right into it. I was still. I'm sorry. I was still singing David Preview's praises for. Okay, go know. go for David. No, no, I, I was done. Um, all right, so Logan Loya and Cam Brown were both out for this game. Um, and so that left Kaz Allen uh, as the main slot receiver, and then Josiah Norwood uh, also playing slot. And the interesting thing here, I think the big takeaway for me is they have Jake Bobo. Um, they have Titus Mokiao Adamalala. Doesn't matter. They're still going to go to the slot. Um, that's this offense. The offense is to the inside receivers. Allen and Norwood were the leading receivers followed by the tight ends. Uh, Jake Bobo, any action he got was in the middle of the field. Um, that was the only only targets he was going to get were in the middle of the field. And um, that's something, I think, to monitor. Uh, again, this these three games, they're not really going to be like um, games to admire from like a competitive standpoint, but you're going to be looking for emphases and focuses. And I don't think the emphasis of this passing attack is changing one iota. Yeah, really interesting. Um, we thought for so many years it was just because Kyle Phillips is so talented and Chase Cota wasn't necessarily. And then Chase Cota transfers. He probably went through his mind, yeah, they don't like throwing the, the outside receivers in this offense. Um, it'll be very interesting. Jake Bo- uh, Bobo caught 72 yep. balls at Duke. 74. 74. Did he catch three last week? It was week? three catches. And he wasn't targeted much. No, that. no, he was targeted three times, caught the ball each time. So let let's see. And 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 you know what? I didn't make note of this. When he caught, <laughs> when he made those catches, was he lined up in the slot? <laughs> I, I didn't make note. Uh, but that's the thing is, like he he can do that. He's got the versatility. 
But you have a weapon on the outside now who has is a proven commodity. Wh- however you want to target him, uh, this is the guy to target 10 times a game. Um, if, if you really think about it, in, in Chip Kelly's offense, do you see a lot of just out patterns? To the out, no, they don't. don't. They don't do those, and I think it's there's probably Jordan some math Payton. behind think it. Think of it's Jordan probably... Payton, right? Jordan Payton just ten yards out, boom, done. Yeah, we don't. We, that doesn't happen much. No, so I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm interested to see how this shakes out because um, they have that weapon now. Uh, they have two of them. I mean, Titus Mokiao Adamalala, Adamalala. Um, He's a he's a, a an outside receiver too. I mean, he can play some in the slot, but he's he's an outside guy. Cam Brown, when he comes back, is an outside guy. Um, are they going to get them the ball at all? It'll be interesting. <laughs> and, and probably the most talented receiver, Jade Marshall, is a true freshman. Probably an outside guy. Yeah. Bra- Braden Pegan, who has been in uh, everyone we've heard rumblings that he's been, he was impressive in August, outside guy. So. Yeah, it would it would be good to take advantage of these guys. So um, when you were watching practice this week, this is related to wide receiver. Who was taking the number one punt returns? It was Logan Loya. Okay, so you think Logan Loya is going to get the number uh, be the starting punt return guy this week? No, <laughs> no, no, no. That'll take several weeks before that comes out. Uh, that's fine. All right, we're gonna take uh, a I just hey, hey, one hey. thing. Josiah Norwood. Yeah. Is there a kid you should root for? What a great interview. Oh, yeah. my gosh. He was great. Uh, he's on top three or four like guys I'm rooting for on this team. That was a great interview. What yeah. a great kid. It was It was great. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back with some discussion of this FCS game and then some basketball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, we are back. Tracy, ready to talk some FCS action. So here, here's, here's my deal, Tracy. You ready for Here's my deal? deal. I'm, re- I'm always ready for your deal. I have no idea how to approach this game as a person viewing it, let alone as a, a player. Um, I So, you know, we've never experienced an FCS game before. There is absolutely no danger of UCLA losing this game. None. Zero. Zero percent chance. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to look at this. It feels like an exhibition almost at a level. Um, it feels like a scrimmage. It feels like a spring game. And you know how much I hate spring games. Um, wh- wh- I would tell, much me. Rather tell me how watch, to handle this. I would much rather watch them play St. John Bosco modern day. Huh. I mean, Corona Centennial uh, than, than this. I, I'm, I'm excited for what an HBCU uh, team coming in to play in the Rose Bowl. I think that's I think about that, it just that singularly kind of gets me excited just because I think that's really cool. FCS thing, though, yeah. Uh, I mean, we've been discounting Bowling Green. Bowling Green, let's put this in perspective. Bowling Green is probably, well, you know what? I should look this up. Dave, before we came on, we were talking about this whole thing. When did it become a trend for every outlet to rank the all 131 teams every week. I, I don't remember that just a couple of years ago. Everyone's yeah, it, doing it now. I don't know what the purpose is. I think it's because everyone realized that the top 25s that everyone releases are also useless, so why not just rank them all? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Bowling Green, I Bowling Green had to be like 90th. I don't know what they were. Not of, good. Of FBS teams. You made the point that Alabama State 
How many FCS teams are there? There's like 130. And they would be on the low end of the FCS rankings. Yeah, they're bad. They're, they're and like look, whatever. Everyone can be bad. It's fine. Um, but they're not a good FCS school. It's this not like, like playing Eastern Washington. This is like Liverpool playing against like three leagues below them. What is it? The National League or something? I don't know. What's the... it's like a it's like the Dodgers taking on their single A affiliate. Yeah. Um. So wow. All I would expect, my expectation, is that every string, first string, second string, third string, should dominate this game. It should be dominant. Every every snap should be dominant. There might be a couple of plays that get away from UCLA. I get that. But overall, this should be a dominant game no matter who's in it. If it's not that way, it didn't it's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably the approach. I I don't know. I'm going to struggle to take too much away from it to be honest. I mean, no, I, 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 yeah, I like I'm even beyond like like I think what I want to see is basically first half dominance and then just chill out and enjoy the last 30 minutes. Like I I don't I don't even know how you uh how you assess this. It it feels it, it feels very much like a spring game. And do you remember that spring game where walk-on receiver Tyler Scott caught three touchdowns for like 200 yards? Yeah, I remember that. It feels like this. Like that's what yeah. this is going to be. It's going to be like, I don't know, Braden Pegan. He's not a walk-on receiver, but just like for a guy. Braden Pegan is going to like uh, uh have 250 yards. And you know, you can play NCAA rule. You can play in four games and still redshirt. Playing they four games, throw, buddy. They should throw these guys out there and see what they can do. Yeah, no, I start mean, them. Hell, start Justin Martin. <laughs> I, I'm I'm more interested in watching South Alabama. <laughs> oh yeah, no, South Alabama will be fun. They're playing Central Michigan at 10 a.m. on ESPN Plus, by the way, just so everyone knows. Yeah, um, no, get after it. I, I, I mean, they lost. Well, South Alabama won. But Central Michigan lost Oklahoma State. So, you know, I'm doing the transitive kind of proper property here, though. But I would say it'll be very, I said before the season, more interesting is South Alabama might be slightly better than Bowling Green, right? I think they are. I think they okay. are better than Bowling Green. I think that one has, so it, in the way that this game has absolutely no danger and thus no intrigue for me, Next week we'll have some intrigue because there is a scenario that's like within the realm of possibility where South Alabama plays a competitive game and wins. Um, like they've got a legitimate, I think it's a defense, um, but th- they, I don't know, they beat up on Nichols State, like some FCS school in week one, but they beat them up. Like they won 48 to seven. Uh, Central Michigan is actually going to be interesting. Central Michigan, if I'm, if I've got my Michigan straight, they scored a hell of a lot on Oklahoma State 40, last week. 44, 58 to forty-four. Yeah, they scored. Yeah, they 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 held it pretty close with Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Um, so that game will be interesting to kind of see how how dangerous South Alabama actually will be. Um, so yeah, that's that's one thing to watch this weekend. I mean, obviously watch the UCLA game. It'll be fun to see the guys score a bunch of points. But um, South Alabama would be something to watch if you're into scouting the next opponent who might actually be okay. Yeah, I mean, next week, uh, that you, you think they're a little bit better than Bowling Green? Okay, yeah. let's say they are, or they're about the same. What what the expectation is, okay, let's just concede first game of the season against Bowling Green, first quarter was horrendous, shaking off the rust, getting things together, really bad pass from, sorting all that out. Okay, you should have it all together. You should have it sorted out for South Alabama. Agreed. Yeah, if they don't, I think that would be. Um, yeah, you're starting to get into five alarm fire territory if they don't. I want to see five sacks. I want to see five sacks. Yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see five sacks from four rush, a four man rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. All right. Um, uh, I, I I wanted to touch on. It's been a subject on the forum about nil and Tracy's hot in, in He's hot. Uh, let's just get this straight. <laughs> let's get of straight. course, NIL has been had a huge impact on recruiting. One hundred percent. 
I just want to make sure everyone isn't suddenly UCLA's high school recruiting to use a term that's been used on the forum fell off a cliff in the last couple of months. Is NIL contributed to it? Certainly. Is it all because of NIL? Certainly not. Um, UCLA football has not done what it can within NCAA rules to promote NIL and thus is hurting themselves in recruiting because like I said, NIL has become a big thing in recruiting and if you don't embrace it, that's just one other aspect of recruiting that you're being negligent about. Uh, I called it quiet quitting. <laughs> I think so many of our boomer readers didn't know what that was and they Googled that really fast. Um, so I just wanted to, to say that. And comparatively, there's another program that isn't doing what it can, that's the basketball program, to embrace NIL, all within NCAA rules, um, when the football program isn't. So yeah, just please don't blame the <laughs> UCLA's recruiting that fell off a cliff the last few months on NIL. That's one of the reasons, but there are plenty others. So let's just wanted to get that clear because there's a narrative that goes the other way that wants to blame everything on NIL. And I, I don't understand the cognitive dissonance for people who, who can't seem to understand that um, the recruiting has been a failure from the jump with Chip Kelly. It's continued to be a failure in all these myriad different ways. And yes, maybe this is a new area where it is a failure, um, but it, it's it's a continuing failure. It's, it's a continuing um, inability to take advantage of the competitive landscape. Um, and if you're, if you're saying, oh, gosh, this change, this change is what screwed Chip Kelly. The only saving grace for Chip Kelly was one major change that was made two and a half years ago, which was the transfer portal. Um, Dang, could you imagine what, this, what it would be like without the transfer portal? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it would have been done already. There's no question about that. But um, how can you say, oh, yeah, well, it's this change that they weren't anticipating that they couldn't, couldn't handle. Why is this change any different? Yeah. There, there were two big changes, um, and they took advantage of one or attempted to. Because one was easy for, for yeah, one, the one made the wasn't. One actually allowed them to cut back on the thing they really don't like to do, which is high school evaluation and recruiting. Um, no, I mean, it's been a... I, I don't know how, like... I, I mean, I understand it. I think some people, like, they subscribe to the site for the community and all that stuff. But, like, I mean, it's... It's not like a, a, a bias thing when we're constantly harping on the roster management, the talent acquisition strategy. It is genuine confusion uh, about why they think this is the appropriate strategy for UCLA. And it's genuine consternation with it. Because uh, whether it's from a fan perspective or from a business perspective, we want UCLA to do well. We want them to do well at this. I'm wearing a UCLA hat, even as we speak. <laughs> um we, we very much, and, and from a business perspective, we need them to do well. Do you know how much better the site does when UCLA football is good? Oh, boy. Yeah. The, the last five or six years really set, set back our lives, yeah. didn't it, Dave? It did. So I, I just, I, I don't know if people always, like, they, 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 they seem like they get it for a certain period of time and then it just, like, walks back in their brain and they think it's, like, a personal resentment issue. I don't think either of us in any way, have a personal issue with Chip Kelly, anyone on that staff, anyone at all. It is simply, this seems like a failing strategy for UCLA. It doesn't make a ton of sense. And it is clearly not working in many like verifiable ways. And coming up with new excuses based on new inputs just flies in the face of everything we've observed for five years now. So it and, is, and, it's a little maddening to read that stuff on the message board. And if you're looking for optimism because of the transfer portal, I, I get it. Because as we said, without transfer portal, whoa, <laughs> where would this be? But even with the transfer portal, uh, top 30 level, I mean, I can, uh, the 24-7 did a little tricky ranking, which was really cool. Uh, figuring in all the recruit, all the rankings of recruits and transfers, UCLA was 28th. That's probably about right. I, I mean, 28th. UCLA should have better talent than 28th in the country. Yeah. A, a fifth year into the program. It just it just should. Uh, we're, there's another, 
and I understand this. I so understand this. The sentiment, like after the game, uh, the re the response to what I wrote that the talent in at first glance, taking into consideration Bowling Grant Bowling Green, the talent level was good, wasn't great. And I get the people saying who responded against that because they all just want to enjoy UCLA football. Believe me, Dave and I do too. We we really do. <laughs> but we would be remiss in our jobs if we didn't if we weren't balanced in and being critical when we're supposed to be. Um, if we just said, hey, they won and just left it at that, they won. Let's move on. That's not what we do. And I wasn't trying to be personal with anyone, but if that's what you're looking for, that's not Bruno Port Online. Obviously, we overanalyze everything to a massive fault. So if you're here, you're going to hear all this stuff. So just, I mean, most of the people know this, but some people, we're going to do this. This is what we do. And we've been pretty successful. So get ready for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I loved it. That was, that was, that was necessary. Um, okay. So that's it. That's it with football. Let's, let's clear the palate, Tracy. Okay. I'm going to have a sip of yeah, water. Yeah. Sip some vodka. Um, let's, let's talk some basketball. Let's talk some hoops. Let's talk some basketball recruiting. God, that's just such a juxtaposition. And, I, and that that's just not even... Oh, you want to talk about a staff that's pivoting and moving with the ways of the times? Talk about UCLA basketball. Baby. <laughs> um, wow. So uh, Brandon Williams this week, uh, he uh, announced his date that he will be announcing his commitment. Uh, it's September 19th. Um, I think he wants some family there for the whole thing. Um could have happened any time in the last week, but uh, he's announcing then. It's between UCLA and St. John's. Um, a bunch of crystal balls all over the world coming out for, for UCLA. UCLA. And you never know if that's direct information or they're just yeah, sometimes jumping on the crystal ball bandwagon. <laughs> the ball bandwagon. The ball bandwagon. That happened to be crystal. Um, so that's that's obviously uh, potentially some very good news uh, for UCLA. Uh, I think we both like Brandon Williams. He's young. I do, very much. Uh, he's got a lot of room to develop, but already um, starting to show some signs of some polish. Um, so that's all to the good. Um, what else do you want to get into with basketball recruiting, Tracy? Um, well, as we uh, broke the news a while back, UCLA is uh, still going, uh, has a chance to add uh, international player. And now I'm using um, the the parentheses with an S um, for 2022 uh, one or two possibly that they would add to the roster this year already have said that one was a four man it has now come out publicly and so I'm not revealing anything uh, that the other one would be a post player uh, yeah I mean, just so y'all know, we we know that what's going on. We just are trying to do our very, very best to protect UCLA recruiting. When it comes to international recruits, it's even tougher <laughs> than keeping... I mean, there's more of a reason to keep it quiet than it is than just a, a domestic recruit. Right. There are... International recruiting is a whole new world. Uh, and uh, if you all think, and I understand this, there's some sentiment, hey, can we get this done? What's taking so long? <laughs> oh my gosh, the, the, the red tape, the, the documents, the... Don't forget, a lot of these players are playing on club teams. Do you think those Russian club teams or other, I'm not, that's not a hint, any other club team from any other country. Do you think they just want to willingly give up their best players to use? Oh, yes. Come in and take our best player. Here you go. Uh, no, they don't want him to leave. I mean, this is not an easy process by any means on so many levels. Um, when it comes to their contracts with those club teams, when it comes to their academics, everything, it's a complicated thing. And the fact that UCL, that's why most programs don't even get into it. Because it's a mess. UCLA, uh, 
um, Mick Cronin has hired Ivo Simovich, who has been, I mean, as you can tell, it's dramatically changed UCLA's chances of, of recruiting international players. Um, we've talked about Ivo before. He obviously has so many connections internationally. Um, if this happens like we think it could happen, they already got Abramo Zonka. They might get two more guys who will have an impact on this season and an impact at UCLA. Um, if that happens, just and then Coach uh, Simovich continues to recruit internationally because I've said that the 2023 class will probably have an international player, has a very good chance to have an international player. Is Mick Cronin hiring Coach Simovich like, wow, one of the best moves by a, a head coach? It's uh, one of the, so it's it's probably the most impact, assuming this all comes to fruition. Um, yeah. It's probably the most impact I've ever seen from a basketball assistant, like in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, and like you said, the contrast, there's one program that is adapting with the times and what they, and there's other one that just absolutely refuses. Yep. Um, obviously we brought it up. You say basketball is, and Mick Cronin within NCAA rules is doing what he can for, to, for NIL. Um, speaking of hey, everyone, uh, get your donations into the men of Westwood collective link is yes. still on the message board. Yes. And I, we will, uh, I'm sure that's going to keep blow, that will blow up as soon as the season starts and we're out there promoting it a little bit more, I'd yes. say. Um, but a, a, amazing, a month ago, it was looking like UCLA was striking out on 2023 guys. It would have uh, some holes in its roster. Uh, it would need six to eight guys in the 2023 class. Now it's very realistic that of all this happens, UCLA will have only two scholarships remaining for the 2023 class. That's counting Brandon Williams. That's just, um, uh, that is smart. And, and, yeah. Advanced and, level uh, roster management. And uh, Soyakovich. Um, that's, that's pretty phenomenal. And um, Mr. Soyakovich is taking his official visit to Texas this weekend. He's supposed to visit uh, Oregon the next weekend. I I think he'll go through with those, with those visits. Um, I had heard that his mom was kind of over the visit thing, which means something. If both your parents aren't going on the visit, that's kind of significant. So maybe she decided to hop on this trip. Who knows? But we'll keep you abreast of what's going on there. Uh, yeah. So uh, doing really well. I would say if they get these two more international players, I, I and they they are what I think they are. <laughs> I don't want to overblow this, but UCLA is going to be good and deep and and really talented. Easily the most talented team that Mick Cronin has had at UCLA. Yeah, and I think easily. That's I think, Easily. And I think that's the continuing takeaway is with each year that 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 first team, the final four team, it is it, it may very well go down as his least talented team or that 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 first final four team. Um, yeah, because if you look at it, I mean, it's just last year you had um, the emergence of Jalen Clark, you had Peyton Watson this year. I mean, even if you don't, even if you didn't add the international guys, still adding Amari Bailey and a Dembona, Dylan Andrews to that roster already, the athleticism would have been more, um, not quite as deep, but you add a couple more international guys. It's, I mean, it's, there, it's impressive. There, there are echoes of 1995. You've got a re returning veterans. You've got one, uh, wing forward, you, and you've got, you know, one of the best point guards in the country, and then you plug in a bunch of young talent, too. Yeah, uh, pretty interesting. I mean, even down to Charles O'Bannon being Jalen Clark. Yeah, I mean, right? Dylan Andrews is going coast to coast in in 
you know, in yeah. the uh, NCAA tournament. <laughs> He's going to do it in 4.2 seconds. Uh, no, well, that would have been, that would be uh, Tiger Campbell's role. But that's okay. Fine. Either one of them can go coast to coast a couple of times. Uh, so, yeah, very, very, you, you all should be very, very excited about where the, and, you know, the worry from a month ago was absolutely valid. I, I get that. I, I kind of knew something was happening, so I wasn't that worried, but valid, get it. But if this happens, wow. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up to, uh, someone asked me, they hadn't ever known about my circuitous. Circuitous. God, that word. It's a great word, but it, it's better when it's written. Yeah. Uh, route to being the bro publisher and how it all went down. So I wrote out that little thing. And that whole thread has been, I, I want to thank everyone for that. That It's been great to read through that. And just how many guys, first off, how it's seemingly grateful everyone is for the site. That, that warms my cockles. But also, all those guys that were there from the beginning, and I've always brought it up that It's a Wonderful Life moment where they all repurchased an original subscription when they had credit on their subscription back in 2001. Um, great, really great stuff. I mean, this is bro's 25th football season. So yeah, 25th anniversary next November, and we will be in Hawaii. So, you know, we'll have a big blowout in Hawaii. Y'all got to come to Hawaii because of, uh, uh, what is it? The Maui Classic. Maui so Invitational. Maui, Maui the, Invitational. The Maui Jim Maui. There you go. Maui Jim Maui. <laughs> I want to talk to the person who came up with that one. <laughs> I want to be in that boardroom. Anyway. Uh, Maui Jim Maui. Anyway, just wanted to thank everyone. It's been a, a very, very fun ride. And I, I appreciate it. And I know, Dave, you appreciate it also, correct? I appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you. Um, yeah. As we say here at Bruin Report Online, Maui Jim Maui. And appreciate you. Appreciate you. All right. Um, well, Tracy, I got nothing else. I'm juiced. I'm, I am too. All right. I'm very hyped for this whole football and basketball season. Indeed. Me too. All right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, is a raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.